Take your Bible, join me today, if you would please, to the book of Mark, the little book of Mark, Mark chapter number 11. We continue our study in the book of Mark. We've been preaching now out of this little book for weeks and weeks and weeks. While you're finding your place there, I welcome all of you who joined us by way of live stream and by way of radio, wherever you are around the world. We're so glad that you've chosen to worship with us today. We're coming to you from a great big metropolitan area called Joshua, Texas. And if you're ever in Joshua, drop by. I have several members who would like to buy you lunch. All right. I want you to be here tonight. Uh, a special message going to be preached tonight. And I hope you'll be here for that message. We come now to what is known as the triumphant entry. And we read it for you out of the book of Mark, chapter 11 and verse 1. If you would allow me to today, I'd like to entitle my message, Why They Changed Their Tune. Why They Changed Their Tune. Isn't it amazing we sing praises unto God on Sunday and use His name in vain on Monday. Isn't it amazing we honor and praise and hallelujah God on Sunday. Then act as though he's dead and cannot help us in our smallest of trials on Monday. Why they changed their tune. The Bible says, and when they came nigh to Jerusalem, under Bethpage and Bethany, At the Mount of Olives, he sent forth two of his disciples and says unto them, Go your way into the village over against you. And as soon as you be entered into it, you shall find a colt tied. Whereupon never a man set, loose him and bring him. And if any man say unto you, Why do ye this? Say ye to that the Lord hath need of him straightway, he will send him hither. And they went their way and found the colt tied by the door without in a place where two ways met, and they loosed him. What how Jesus knew that colt was tied there. And certain of them that stood there saith unto him, What do ye loosen the colt? And they said unto them, even as Jesus had commanded, and they let them go. And they brought the colt to Jesus and cast their garments on him and set him and set upon him. And many spread their garments in the way and others cut down branches off the trees and strawed them in the way. And they that went before them that followed, cried, saying, Hosanna, blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Blessed be the kingdom of our father David, that cometh in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And Jesus entered into Jerusalem and into the temple. And when he had looked around about upon all things, And now the evening tide was come. He went out unto Bethany with the twelve. The triumphant entry. 
I think all the folks at Jerusalem probably knew and probably had heard several times what was going on. 500 years before this date, Zechariah had promised, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, thy king cometh unto thee. He is just and having salvation, lowly and riding upon an ass and upon a colt, the fold of an ass. Jesus, for the very first time, is proclaiming himself to be king. In fulfillment of Zechariah chapter 9 and verse 9. They use a very unusual word as he crosses over the Mount of Olives and begin to downgrade into Jerusalem. Everybody in the parade begin to cry, Hosanna, Hosanna. I don't know if you know this or not, but the word Hosanna is a very unusual word. It's used one time in the Old Testament. Psalms 118 and verse 25, and it's translated, save us. Save us. It's an unusual word, not translated like other words. But when the English translators began to translate the word Hosanna, they did not translate it. They just put the Greek letters that sounded out the word Hosanna. When the English began to translate it, they did not change it. They just added the letters that sounded out Hosanna. You go back to the words first used in the Old Testament, and it's written in Hebrew. And the Hebrew writers did the same thing. They did not translate the word. They just sounded out with Hebrew letters the sound of the word. It means save us. Thousands and thousands of folks surrounding our Lord, fulfilling the prophecy of Zechariah 9, 9, as he rides in Jerusalem on a colt of a donkey. Not the donkey that has already been trained and saddle broke, but one that had never held a saddle, one that had never been ridden. Isn't it amazing that Jesus did not have to break him from bucking? Isn't it amazing that the hard-headedest, most stubborn animal in all the world fell in submission to our Lord immediately? And as they come into Jerusalem, proclaiming himself to be king, can you imagine what a roar and what a cheer and what a, what a uh, hallelujah time it must have been? It could have been at this particular time 50,000 folks living in Jerusalem. It was a law, it was a law that all the folks within 10 mile radius come to Jerusalem on the day of Passover. And Jesus is riding in that town. He has performed every miracle that you can imagine. 
And he's riding into town and they're having a Sunday morning service. Everybody is happy. Everybody is cheering. Everybody is taking their coats off and laying them for the donkey to stand on. The disciples and all the crowd is yelling, hallelujah, praise the God. Hosanna to the king. He's finally here. What a wonderful service that must have been. Would you look at me with, with me, please, to chapter 15. And the same crowd five days later. Five days later. Not seven days. Not Friday. But Wednesday. And the Bible said, And Pilate answered and said again to them, What will you then that I shall do unto him whom you call the king of the Jews? And they cried out again, Crucify him. Then Pilate said unto them, Why? What evil hath he done? They cried out the more exceedingly, Crucify him. Why? Has their tune changed? Same crowd. Just five days different. Five days makes a lot of difference, does it not? One crowd of throngs, of multitudes of people are crying out, Hosanna to the king, blessed be God. He's here. Finally, the king is here. Finally, David David's son is here. Finally, the king of David is going to set up a throne and he's going to deliver us from evil Rome and we're going to be one of the greatest kingdoms in all the world and he will set up on an everlasting kingdom. Praise God. Hallelujah. The king's here. Five days later, crucify. Crucify. Have you ever noticed that folk kind of fickle? Yes, sir. How many times did you fellas fall in love when you were young? Or how many times did you lie to that girl you told, baby, I love you? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't believe me? Just look at the glistle in my eye. Man, I love you. Next week, you're just glistening at somebody else. Have you ever noticed folk kind of fickle? Huh? Hallelujah. Bless God. What a service we had Sunday. I don't know what in the world I'm going to do on Wednesday. What caused them to change their tune? Thousands celebrating. Thousands had seen all that he'd done. Absolutely multitudes coming to Jerusalem on the Passover feast to sacrifice a Passover lamb in which they said of the first year without spot and without blemish. And they missed John's lamb as he rode into Jerusalem. 
John described him, behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. How many of us are so busy doing our religious things, we miss the real thing? How many of us are so busy going to church and doing our little do what did it that we miss the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world? Oh, it's an amazing thing to me, if you would please. Notice, let me outline the chapter for you, please. Notice in number one, it, it was a time of preparation. I don't think Andrew got that up there because he was asleep when he did that, I think. If he wasn't, he should have been. Notice the time of preparation. I see that in verses 1 through 7. A time of preparation. And when they were come nigh to Jerusalem under Bethpage, two miles from Jerusalem, and Bethany, one mile from Jerusalem, unto the Mount of Olives, which overlooked the city of Jerusalem. And since he was born in Nazareth, or in Bethlehem, he has set his face as a flint toward Jerusalem. He was born in Bethlehem to die in Jerusalem. He did not turn to the left or the right. He did not sway in his going. He's on his way to Jerusalem. He's one mile now from his destiny. One mile, if you please, from when they crown him with a crown of thorns and nail him to a tree for mine and your sins. One mile, if you please. And he sent forth two of his disciples. Said unto him, go your way into the village over against you. And as soon as you enter into it, ye shall find a colt tied, whereupon never man set. Loose him and bring him. Had to be a time of preparation. The prophecy had to be fulfilled. He couldn't go into Jerusalem walking. He couldn't go into Jerusalem riding a white stallion. He had to go into Jerusalem to fulfill, fulfill prophecy just the way God said. And he prepared his journey and told the disciples to go get the donkey. And if any man say to you, why do you this? Say you to that, say you to, to the, the Lord hath need of him. Straightway, he will send him hither. And they prepared the way. Notice, if you would please, there's a presentation in the second place Verse 8, and many spread their garments in the way, and others cut down branches off of trees and strawed them in the way. And they that went before, and they that followed, cried, saying, Hosanna, blessed is it cometh in the name of the Lord. Hosanna, save us. Hosanna, save us. Save us from what? Oh, they're looking for a kingdom. Save us, O king, from what? From Rome's bondage. Save us. Save us. Hosanna, save us. A time of presentation. Then there's a time of passion. Would you please bear with me just a minute and turn to the book of Luke chapter 19, please. Please. Turn there with me. Luke 19. A time of preparation, a time of presentation, but a time of passion. Notice this, if you would, please. I read for you. I start reading in verse 36. And the Bible said, and as they went, they spread their clothes in the way. 
And when it was come nigh even unto the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that they had seen. Saying, Blessed be the King that cometh in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees from among the multitude said unto him, Master, rebuke thy disciples. He answered and said unto them, I tell you that if these should not hold, if these should hold their peace, the stones would immediately cry out. God likes to hear loud praises to his name. Church, you say, church, you're too noisy. No church, you're too quiet. Somebody said, well, I don't like a noisy church. You like a noisy ball game? You like a noisy family fight? Why shouldn't you like a noisy worship service? Praise God. Hallelujah. Pass that around again. (laughs) Amen. Now notice the passion. Verse 41. And when he had gone near, gone, when he gone, and when he come near, he beheld the city and wept over it. Why? When our Lord saw the city, why did he weep? They're shouting. They're praising God. They're proclaiming to be king. The ultimate of all praise services. This has got to be at thousands and thousands. It must have resembled a rock concert. All except they kept their clothes on. Could have an amen. I mean, but they went wild. And when Jesus saw the city, he wept over it. Why did they change their tune? From praise God, Hosanna, to crucify him. Crucify him. Dear God, I woke up the baby. It's a terrible thing. Usually when I preach, everybody goes to sleep. That is a blessing. Somebody is awake. (laughs) Why did they change their tune? Number one, they didn't understand the plan. Do you understand the plan? Not your plan, God's plan. A preacher, it's about our plans. No, no, let me tell you something. It's not about your plans. It's about God's plan. You said, have you heard about Obamacare? Who cares about Obamacare? I got Jesus care. Say, who are you voting for next time? Probably nobody because they're all liars. The one I'm serving, you're not going to vote on. The one I'm serving, you're not going to impeach. And he's not taking a vote, bless God. He is number uno. He's number one. He's king of kings and lord of lords. And today, just like this day, many folk go to church every week and do not, do not understand the plan. Can I show you? You know, it's 15 until I quit. Somebody said, he's lying again. 
Verse 41. No, verse 37. We, we get down in a minute. They didn't understand the plan. And when he was come nigh, even now to the descent of Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice because of who he was and because of what he was going to do and because he's the King of kings and Lord of lords. But that's not what it says. It says they praised God with a loud and mighty voice. For the mighty works that they had seen. They just didn't understand the plan. It's not about miracles. It's not about Jesus walking on the water. It's not about feeding 5,000 with a Captain D's child special. It's not about what we've seen. It's not about everything. You see, these folks were all hung up and they were looking for some more miracles. They were glad they'd been there when the feeding of the 5,000. Did you know they've even seen him walk on the water? Did you know they've seen him heal leprosy and raise the dead? They've seen him do just about every astronomical, miraculous unexplainable, miraculous thing in the world and they're praising God for what they had seen and what they had felt and what they experienced. Hallelujah, praise God for Jesus, the water-walking miracle worker. But you see, they started seeing the facts. Get it now. Facts. Not what you feel. Amen. Facts. Amen. You want me to get real quiet in here? Amen. Tithing. Amen. I don't have to preach on it. I can just say the word and everybody gets quiet like a vampire bat got a hold of the torch and sucked all the blood out. <laughs> it ain't about walking on the water, folks. It's not about feeding 5,000 with just a few loaves and a few fishes. Hey, they have come to a place to where now it is no longer that, but it's dying to self. It's talking about a cross. Their king, who is supposed to get on a throne, is going to Jerusalem to get on a cross. They're looking for a sovereign with a crown. And Jesus is coming for the cross. And he starts talking about your cross and my cross. He starts talking about us picking up our cross and bearing it daily. Uh, They lose their shout. He starts talking about laying your life down. And dying to this world and crucifying the flesh and the shout leaves. Just like it's real quiet in here right now. You see, they didn't understand the plan. 
Their plan was for Jesus to deliver them from the bondage of Rome. God's plan was to deliver them from the bondage of sin. Their outlook was for a sovereign sitting on a throne. And God's vision was his son hanging on a cross. They just didn't understand the plan. I wonder if there's anybody here today just don't understand the plan. Preacher, I want to feel good. Well, what you need to do is go buy a banana split. And quit eating when you're satisfied. Boy, I tell you, I really felt the Spirit Sunday morning. He left before you got out the door, though. And you was arguing with each other in the parking lot. Just don't understand the plan. Singing one day. Crucify him the next day. You know why it's hard to train some of these kids? Because kids see parents. Hallelujah on Sunday. Raising hell on Monday. That's why it's hard to disciple and raise champions for God. It's because some of us lose our tune. We kind of change it when we leave. Because we don't understand the plan. Do you understand God's plan for you? Did God die that you just might barely miss hell by this much? Or does God have a plan for all of us? Does God have a glorious and wonderful and blessed plan for all of us? They just didn't understand the plan. I'm closing now after two more points. They changed their tune because they didn't like the price. Want to be my disciple, he said. Want to be my disciple, he said. Deny yourself. Take up your cross daily and follow me. Hallelujah, Lord. Bless God. Want to be my disciple? Crucify. I don't like that idea at all. I tell you, you'd think this is a funeral service. Is my preaching that bad? I'm paying nine staff. At least one of them would say amen. Brother Jim would, would, but he's sitting by John and he's afraid he'll get John cranked up and we couldn't stop John. You know how they make I mean, let's go ahead. A famous uh, commentator of years gone by, by the name of Paul Harvey. Does anybody remember? His famous 
words. Now, for the rest of the story. The disciples and the crowd that was saying, Hallelujah, Hosanna, didn't like the rest of the story. Read the remaining chapters of Mark. Start in Luke 19 and read the rest of the story. Go to Matthew chapter 20 and read the rest of the story. And you'll find it's not about a millennium and it's not about a king and it's not about, it's not about a throne. It's about a cross. No longer are we talking about miracles. Their tune changed when they're no longer just shouting and experiencing feel good stuff. No longer just singing, but now it's all about sin. Not about a sovereign with a crown, but about a savior on a cross. I jotted down two things. We change our tune when it moves from filling to sacrifice. You understand that? We change our tune when it changes from feeling good to giving good. We shout and sing and praise hallelujah as long as it's about Christ. But we clam up when it talks about us. Could I have an amen? Amen. Please, just one amen. Anybody. Even if you got to go to the bathroom, just hold up your hand. (laughs) We need something in here today. I'm not jumping on you. I'm just warning you. I'm not rebuking you. I'm trying to exhort you. We're just like this crowd. We sure are. We're hallelujah, bless God, when everything is going good and when we're hurting and when we got a problem, when we have a situation, I just don't know what I'm going to do. Crucify me. You're not doing me any good. Let me out of here. I'm going to the beer joint. Give me a beer. Well, you ought to, you dug-headed thing. I just got to tell you, beer won't help your problem. You see, the reason they changed their tune is they didn't understand the plan. God has a plan for us. 47 years ago, in my living room, I knelt at my couch and I invited Jesus Christ into my heart and I jumped right in the middle of God's plan. Oh, yes, sure did. And each day as it goes by, God reveals to me just a little bit more of where he wants me to do and what he wants me to do. I'll tell you, if God had shown me 47 years ago, I'd be passing a church that's $3 million in debt. I'd said, no, I'm not passing no church $3. I'm going coon hunting is what I'm going to do. I got a $10 dog and a $3 leash. I am going coon. I'm not going to do that. If God had told me when I got saved years ago, I'd be standing before folks uh, weekly preaching. I said, not me, man. I'm a thumb-sucking introvert. I failed college because I wouldn't give an oral report. Not me, dear God. I'm not going to do that. But you see, it's God's plan, not my plan. It's God's plan, not your plan. 
God has a plan for your marriage. And God has a plan for your home. And God has a plan for your kids. And I want you to know something. God's going to hold you responsible for all of them. Amen. Amen. Kids, good kids are not accidents. They're nurtured. They're raised. They're prayed. They're blessed. They're shown. They are uh, an example. Bless your heart. And I got news for you. These folks stopped shouting because (laughs) they started coughing. (laughs) We change our tune when feelings turns to sacrifice. We change our tune when serving Christ costs us more than we want to pay. And they didn't want to pay that price. That crowd was just following Jesus because of his miracles. They might have wanted some fish and biscuits after a while. And they followed him because of that. He started talking about dying and about a cross and about suffering and about baptizing with the same baptism he was baptized with and suffering with the same suffering he was. They lost all their shout and been to cry out, crucify it. Now what's your tune during the week? Tonight at 6 o'clock or 6.30, when it's time to go to church and honor God. Oh, but the cowboys long. Dear God, I can't miss the cowboys. If they win, you'll be shouting. If you, they lose, you'll be cussing them. There you go. Amen. Come on, give me an amen. It's Tony's fault or Jimmy's fault or Jerry's fault, somebody else's fault. No, it's your fault because you stayed home and didn't come to church. Amen. That's not even in the notes. <laughs> Why did they change the tune? Did you know that Jesus asked his disciples... Will ye also go away? When you don't like the teaching of God, will you go away? When Jesus started talking about eating his body and drinking his blood, they did not understand. And all of them began to dwindle and go away because they did not understand the plan. And they did not want to pay the price. Thirdly, because they didn't realize the penalties. Well, just another service. No big deal. Just another Passover service. Don't affect me. Don't affect mine. Verse 41 of Luke chapter 19. Verse 41 says, And when he was come near to the, he beheld the city and wept over it. Verse 42 saying, If thou hadst known, even thou, at least in this thy day, the things which belong unto thy peace, Now they were hid from thine eyes. Notice this. 
For the days shall come upon thee. Thine enemies shall cast a trench around about thee. And compass thee round and keep thee in on every side. Thirty-seven years from this time. Titus and the Romans surrounded Jerusalem. Approximately one million Jews were slaughtered. Historians say that the blood ran so high in the streets that it extinguished fires. If thou hadst known And shall lay thee even with the ground, the whole city, and thy children within thee. And they shall not leave in thee one stone upon another, because thou knewest not the time of thy visitation. When I read that the other day, I thought of this, eyes to see. But seeth not. Ears to hear. But heareth not. Minds to understand. But understand not. I wonder. I just wonder today. Do you realize. In closing. For the last time. Do you realize. The magnitude of the moment. I'm not talking about tomorrow. I'm not talking about after a while. I'm not talking about tonight when the game's on. Do you realize the magnitude of the moment? The seriousness and the utter magnitude of the moment. Bible says, Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. In all of this world, what do you think is most valuable to God? We see folks saved on a regular basis. We go soul and we see them saved. We see them bow their heads and invite Christ into their heart. We believe in soul winning. But I think we've lost the magnitude of a soul being saved. In all of this world, and all of its worth, and all of its values, and all of its wealth, what is most valuable today to God? God said, what should it profit a man if he should gain the whole world and lose his soul? The most important 
thing to God today is not the computer age or the technology or the advancements in medicine. The most valuable thing today to God is your soul. Not your body. We spend millions of dollars stretching it, cleaning it, polishing it. Right? And it's just going to die. Best you can do. You're going to get old, huh, son. Amen. Would you believe that this used to be here? <laughs> Would you believe there's a time I didn't need those? <laughs> you say, why you got them? To keep my shoulders off the floor. Would you believe my hair used to be curly and kinky and I had some? God ain't worried about your temporary body. Jesus died for your soul. That which God implanted in you, that will never, 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 never die but we'll spend eternity someplace and God said the most valuable thing to him the magnitude of the moment is your soul it's not miracles it's not being healed it's not being slain in spirit baptized the Holy Ghost just simply The magnitude of the moment is, if you died right now, where would you spend eternity? Not about how pretty I am, although it's not how strong I am. It's about that part of me. It's the gene part of me. It's the real me. It's the me that's not ever going to get old. It's the me part of me that's going to spend eternity in heaven with God. The magnitude of the moment, the biggest thing that can happen in this world today is God saving your eternal soul. You need to realize the penalty. A lot of folks think God is too good to send anybody to hell. Well, he is good. If you go to hell, it won't be because of him. It'll be because of you. You just did not accept his free gift. I close with this. And I may goof it up. But since you don't know it, you won't know whether I goof it up or not. I was reading a book recently. About a young man playing football. Stretched out to catch a pass, and he went too far, out of bounds, and fell over a man's chair, and the man's knee hit him in the chest in the abdominal area. Hurt him, but he didn't think it was bad. And he played the rest of the game. After the game, he collapsed. His daddy took him to the hospital and sat by his side. Sat there, and the boy was comatose, and they had no idea whether he was going to live or not. 
Dad sat there. Young preacher came by to see the man. And the daddy was crying and weeping. And he said, preacher, will God let my son die to pay for my sins? The little old preacher didn't know what to say. I wouldn't either. So the preacher said, no, God's not going to kill your son because of your sins. Because God killed his son for your sins. You understand the plan? Do you realize the price? God gave his best to save you and I. That's the price. Do you realize the penalty? And I saw a great white throne And he who sat upon it, from whose face the heavens and the earth fled away. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. The sea gave up the dead were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead with them. And they were judged, every man, according to the works. And the books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And they were judged out of those things that were written in the books. And whosoever was not found written in the books were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. Do you realize the magnitude of the moment? Somebody's knocking on your heart's door right now. Saying to you, you ought to get saved. You ought to do what God wants you to do. But there's another voice saying, ah, that's all baloney. It's just another service. It's just more shouting. Whatever you do. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man come to the Father but by me. The most important thing in the economy of God and going on in this world today is not the football game tonight. It's your decision for Christ right now. Shall we pray?